Welcome back to another, to another episode of Clutch Gene Sports. This is Marco with my boy David and Roja. We're about to bring a great episode of 49ers versus Dallas Cowboys in the divisional round. All you know what's coming. All that hate from Dallas. All the hate from 49er fans to Dallas Cowboy fans is coming right after this. All right, David, how you doing, my man? Welcome back to another episode of Clutch Gene Sports. We're here, and we're going to be talking some 49ers Cowboys. Yeah, man. Hey, thanks for having me on, guys. We, uh, it's been a week. I think that, you know, we talked about it. I think for some of the people in whatever generation you are as a 49ers fan, um, it's kind of interesting how Grim raised as a kid watching ball in the 90s. It was everything. And I think it just, even though that those years, there's a lot of in between, the fact that this rivalry is kind of being rekindled, especially in the playoffs lately, um, is just, it's exciting. And, and I think another thing that we forget about, I want to focus on this game now, but next year, Dallas is coming back to Santa Clara in the regular season. So yeah. it's always when I wrote the bragging rights, the, the next game was always that, you know, the, and so it's an exciting time to be a Niners fan, and I think a Cowboys fan too. Yeah, I agree. I mean, it's going to be a it's going to be a fun matchup. Like you said, the history rehashing it, just because it's been such a vital part of both uh, franchises' history. Right? You go back to the seventies, the eighties, uh, when you know it kind of started with the Super Bowls, and now uh, or with the NFC Championships going to the Super Bowls, and now we're coming back twenty twenty one really rehashed it with the divisional round. You got a second consecutive year uh, in the divisional round last year, wild card round this year, divisional round. It's going to be uh, a nice, fun matchup, and the ticket sales clearly show it. I know you obviously have season tickets, but ticket sales clearly show it with the way that uh, they're going. Uh, it's insane. I mean, I, I try to help out fellow Niners fans, and I, I, I always promise to sell them the cheapest they found, and I, uh, I sold them Saturday night, and knowing that, you know, <laughs> But boy, looking at those prices, um, could have got rich. But I'm glad. I'm glad uh, Mike McGlynn, uh, mutual follower, uh, he's going to be in my seats. Always love seeing pictures from my seats in those games that I can't get to. So I hope you have a great time, man. Yeah, yeah, that's good. We've got a fun show today because we've got three people, obviously, Marco and I, the regular co-host. But we've got David as well. For those of you guys that don't know him, David, uh, he writes sometimes for all us, uh, all 49ers SI, but also uh, goes live with people like Jesse, goes live in general. So, David, we appreciate, obviously, you coming onto the pod. Oh, of course. 
So, bro, I'm over here working on like some McDonald's internet right now for some reason. Um, <laughs> probably would have better internet right now. Probably like a Starbucks or something. But hey, um, bro, I'm from California. All right, where the bullies get bullied. Um, I don't know about Micah Parsons or whatever, but uh, hey, you know, he from Harrisburg. Apparently, that's what uh, they happen here there too. The last time I checked, uh, Brandon Ayuk was also from California, where he bullied the bully. Um, because that's what Michael Parsons reminds me of. But let's go straight into the game. Like, obviously, there's a lot of people um, out there who think each other's strength of schedule is a big reason of success. A lot of 49er fans out there are like, oh, well, Dallas hasn't played anyone good. Dallas is saying the same shit. Like, oh, they haven't they haven't played anyone good. Is that true, like, in your guys' perspective? Or is it more so, like, whoever? Yeah, I mean, I would say that for for me, it's like I I we tweeted out a couple weeks ago. It's true. Like I think the 49ers strength of schedule at the beginning of the year said, hey, this schedule is going to be incredibly difficult based on oh, you're playing the right. AFC West or you're playing the um however, what it's what's happening if you if you look at the draft order, the 2023 draft, yeah, the 49ers have even all teams out, they're the they are the lowest strength of schedule. Like they had the, you know, and and so that that can be true. And though. That's where something like DVOA, a metric that is not, no metric is perfect, but what DVOA strives to do is tries to even it out regardless of performance and who you are and see like even adjusted for that team. And, and the 49ers are still number one DVOA, you know, defense and offense. And so, and they actually faced opponents in DVOA that were, that ranked, um, that were ranked higher uh, than the Cowboys. Now that's not to say that the Cowboys you know, the 49ers are better because the, the Cowboys did that or have that advantage because of that. But I think it's just one of those things where we get so many things to talk about. And uh, the, the game of Chiefs that is the last game that the 49ers lost, it, you know, uh, those of us who are 49ers fans who watched the game, it felt gross at the end. But yet, if you really watch it throughout, like a lot of games that get out of hand late, it was a little bit closer than it may have seemed. The 49ers were coming off injuries. Mooney Ward wasn't fully healthy. Nick Bosa wasn't fully healthy. CMC had just got in the hotel the day before. Um, they hadn't had their full install. And the fact that after that game, they've gone on to win 11 straight, to me, it's just like you play who's in front of you. And the way that the Niners are dominating right now, um, particularly on offense and as consistently as they have, I just think it puts that to bed. But I understand the conversation. I agree. I mean, like I like you said, you play get, uh, who's in front of you. You can't really change that, and that's why I kind of view strength of schedule uh, as a, an argument that has some use, but also is flawed. Strength of schedule essentially is telling you who you're going to play next year based on the previous season. But the NFL is a year-to-year league. We've seen teams go from worst to first. We've seen teams go from first to out of the playoffs. There's so much change year to year because of how the NFL operates with the salary cap being a hard cap rather than in other leagues. It's a lot, it's a lot different. And so, uh, yeah, the NFL is a different league and that's something that we do have to, uh, understand when talking about strength of schedule, just looking at these two teams, the Cowboys came in at, with the bottom five strength of schedule and the 49ers came in with the top five. It ended with both teams, uh, or with the Cowboys having better strength of schedule than the 49ers, uh, in terms of how hard their schedule was. And to me, that's why I don't judge teams, uh, based off their strength of schedule. I rather judge teams 
based off of really the eye test and how they're playing. Because you can understand the Chiefs, right? Right? I mean, we can talk about the Chiefs because they are a team that the 49ers lost to. They lost to the Indianapolis Colts. Are you going to put that against them for the remainder of the year just because they lost to the Indianapolis Colts? No. And you can make that argument this year, especially with almost every other team. And so that's why it's important to note strength of schedule is there, but also look at other metrics and really look at the eye test of how the teams are playing. No, I think you're absolutely right. Before I before I say my comment, shout out to Teron Lewis in the chat, super chat today. Shout out to you, love you too, brother. Uh, faithful as always, man. Uh, but for me, I think it's the same exact ex- explanation you guys have in the sense of like strength of schedule comes out in the beginning of the year. All it tells you is like, okay, these the teams you p- are playing this year, majority of them made the playoffs. Like, that's all it's telling you. Like it's, it has nothing to do with actually how good a team is. What strength of schedule was is missing is a bunch of context in terms of players getting hurt, um, people getting traded, or players not resigning with that team. Because obviously, for example, the Arizona Cardinals would be a much better team with Kyler Murray playing, right? Like they're realistically, they're probably gonna have a better record, which is gonna shoot up the Niners' strength of schedule. Same thing for teams that Dallas has played. If if you play a team that has a good quarterback, like Washington, if they had a good quarterback throughout the season, their strength of schedule probably increases a couple points. So, like, to me, all I see strength of schedule is telling you is, like, okay, well, next year, the next next year, these teams that you just played aren't going to be good. Or they're going to have a bounce-back year like the Cardinals probably with a decent quarterback. So, like, to me, strength of schedule is just a bogus thing. I think it's one of those issues where I think fans just throw out there um, in the sense of just telling other teams that they're not good. You play you play another another eleven man on the field. The way I see it is, if you're dominating that team, it doesn't matter who the hell's on that field. For example, the 49ers and the Dallas Cowboys defenses have been the best defenses all season, arguably. They've been dominating, so you can't really say if you put in a, a great offense in front of them, they're probably going to become not like the elite one two defense, but they're probably going to be around that like, top ten still. So realistically, they're still the same shit and being a freaking a good football team so i don't get why fans are saying that another topic that got brought up by a lot of dallas cowboy fans because all i see is dallas cowboy fans crying do you think the two day extra two days of rest is a benefit to the 49ers or do you think that's a benefit of getting the two seed i mean i i think it's it can be both right like i if it was the team that the thing that got lost is like the two seed so the this idea that they that you know in most years past, if you're the Dallas Cowboys going into Santa Clara to face a two seed, right? You're you're this team had already had a couple weeks off, um, and I think it's one of those things where you know Jerry Jones is one of those guys in the competition committee and like looking at all of these different things about this as far as like putting, you know, the NFL is a money driven league, and Jerry Jones was right up front and wanting though that Monday night game for all that revenue, and there his team was with an extra two days. To prepare for a playoff game by the way you know uh going on the road and i get it but it's like to me man you don't win your division just it, it's a horse apiece basically, basically both both teams the niners and the cowboys are playing the same amount of games in the same amount of two weeks span right niners got six games to get ready for the seahawks the cowboys has got eight games you know it's not like this is a five-day race it's not like they're going on a sunday night game and they go into thursday night game like in the regular season i just think this is getting overblown but i do think that two days rest is an advantage for the 49ers and they don't have to travel. So yeah, it's good for the Niners. 
I don't think you can dispute that it's good for the Niners. I mean, they are getting more rest. The way that I look at it is two ways. One, I mean, David said it. The 49ers should get a buy in the old uh, old system, but I also want to stay up to date. The Cowboys got more rest going into the divisional. I mean, going to the wild card round. The 49ers were on, uh, what, they played on sa- uh, Saturday, so they were on one day short of rest, and that's why they have two days of extra rest. Understandably, now it's a tougher game for sure, but there is that 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 element to it as well. And I think that it's important, but I also think that at this point of the season, both teams are going to come ready come playoff time. And I do think, though, that it can vary into the physicality of things because of the amount of travel in that Dallas had to travel to Tampa Bay, is going to come home, and then have to travel again. But for the, the fans that are unhappy, I'll say two things as well. One, the 49ers were the sixth seed last year. They had to do this. Uh, they had to travel three straight times. And two, one thing that uh, a very uh, fellow 49ers, not necessarily creator, but a guy who puts a lot of stuff out there, Rich Madrid, he said it all week. The Rams did this last year, and they 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 had to travel a lot. And they all, no, no, they had the, the Monday game. And they had to do the short week, and they ended up winning the Super Bowl. So, I don't know. <laughs> like, it, it's not like it, we've seen that it can be like an added advantage or a disadvantage. In terms of, of fans just crying, right? That's all it is. Is fans just crying in in the sense of two extra days, right? To me. It doesn't matter two extra days, three extra days. Like, the way the Dallas Cowboy fans are talking, like, you legitimately – or like, especially players in the, the – actually, I should say more so the players. The way the players are talking, that two days of rest does not matter. All right, you got Michael Parsons saying, this is a game I've been waiting for. You got Dak Prescott saying the same thing. So, it's like, realistically, just shut, just shut up because your players are saying the complete opposite of what you're saying right now. So, like, for me – I think Cowboy fans in, in general. Um, but I think also, too, though, if 49er fans were in the situation, I think they'd be saying the same thing, though. Like, to be oh, honest. Definitely. Like, realistically, I, I could see our fan base saying the same thing. Like, oh, two days of rest is, is an advantage. But, like, realistically, I don't think it's an advantage, to be honest. Like, I teams don't take an extra two days of, of rest to prep. Like, honestly, teams usually take four days to prep. All it is is just off days for their legs to get, like, freshened up. But... Looking at, at the Cowboys Niner matchup in the divisional round, right? This nice showdown, the historic mark um, that we get to see as a fan base again. We just saw them last year. Um, we went into their house, we went to Jerry's World, um, and Devo took the chain from all of them, right? Devo literally snatched their chain. So, where I'm looking at this is is this game the beginning of a, the, the rivalry continuing in the 20th or whatever, in 21st century? Or is it just another playoff game? I I think that it – I mentioned this at the beginning. I do think – and plus Dallas is coming back in a Levi's in the regular season next year. We already know that's a home opponent for the Niners. So, like, it, it's – they don't even have to meet them in playoffs next year for this rivalry to be kind of coming on. And, and so I do think, you know, put it this way. Uh, I, I think uh, in the 90s, uh, it wasn't a – the Cowboys and Niners traded blows in the regular the season and the Cowboys had the upper hand in the NFC championship game for a couple of years before the 94 season. Then the Niners win. Next year, Dallas comes back. And so there was that back and forth. And I think until 
one of these teams wins it all, I think that's what's really going to galvanize this is like a big a big rivalry. But but I'll tell you this. I mean, if they're meeting two years in a row in the playoffs now and you go in the regular season, this happens again. I think this does have because both teams have, to me, very good rosters up and down the board. Um, oh, I, think yeah. bo- I think both teams uh, have the ability to compete going into the future. There's going to be some decisions both teams have to make about that personnel. But, yeah, I do. I, I think this is awesome, and I think this is great for the league. And I guarantee you the league is stoked that this is a matchup, <laughs> Cowboys-Niners. And they, they want that in prime. They want that uh, at that night slot. So uh, you, I, I can't wait to see what the ratings are for this game. I think it's gonna I think it's gonna surpass any game you've seen in the playoffs in the last several years. I agree. And I think that this is the the start of it. I mean everybody knows the history between these two teams and now that you're seeing matchups that are gonna happen in three consecutive years, that's huge, especially because we've seen it now uh at both stadiums. We've seen it at Levi's or we're going to see it at Levi's, and we saw it, uh, obviously, in Jerry World last year. And so I think it's important to note that both fan bases are now getting a touch of this, and also the amount of talking that goes through. It's clear that both teams want this matchup, um, in that obviously the 49ers are going to play whoever's in front of them. But looking at what the Cowboys said this week, Michael Parsons talked about it. Dak Prescott said, most definitely, this is the matchup I want. Zach Martin said about how it stung last year and how they wanted to do better. CeeDee Lamb said he was he, he was driven to, to play better because he only had one catch in that game. There are a lot of different things about last year's matchup that the Cowboys are looking forward to. And I think, yeah, this is going to be the start, especially with the amount of games that you're going to see uh, in recent time. I mean, I absolutely agree. It, it, it becomes a rivalry, right? Especially when you have all the playoff and the history behind it. But you can't call something a rivalry if only one team is dominating all the time. That's what I'm saying. You know what I'm saying? But so for me, I don't see it as a rivalry yet until Dallas could beat us. Hey, Packers Bears, bro. Packers Bears. Hey, that see that's see that's to me that's not a rivalry either because Aaron Rodgers owns them, right? Like to be honest, like you you can't call it a rivalry if you haven't won recently. So for and me, I, I'm. Yeah. I'm looking at it like, all right, well, if, if Dallas beats us, which they won't, um, then then it becomes a rivalry, right? Because we knocked each other out of the playoffs in back-to-back years, and, and we're, we're keeping each other from the great destination everyone's trying to get to, the Super Bowl. Um, so I don't think it's a rivalry just yet because Dallas hasn't won in the playoffs, at least for this at least for the, this new era, right? Like it's the, the era that we've, we've had in the past, like the when you had Charles Haley go over to Dallas and all that, like, yeah. When you had stuff like that, like that was a rivalry. Like that was deep down. They hated each other. They guts. I don't think the 49ers hate Dallas. I think Dallas hates the 49ers um, right now. So like the history is a rivalry. Absolutely 100% a rivalry. But like between these players, I don't think there's a rivalry. I think it's more so Dallas hates the 49ers rather than the other way around. Well, and I think quit. I, I agree. Like I'm older than you guys. I grew up as a diehard in that era. So I can like Crocker goes out and Say yeah, my, hate for da- like, my hate for Dallas is different, right? Like it's this idea that I agree though with you, Marco, is that this has not been a true rivalry for a long time. So like right now, it's very clear that the Rams and the Seahawks are bigger rivalries with the Niners. And now though, because because the Rams and who knows, we can talk about the Rams later. But like it, I do think rivalries are contingent on competition, right? And I do think that that just because there's nostalgia like I have for the Cowboys Niners rivalry, it still doesn't 
feel quite like it did back then yet. And I think if they trade blows in different ways over the years, one of these teams, they actually get to the top and they, you know, that's when, but like they're, no, the Cowboys Niners, as far as a rivalry goes, isn't like running the league right now, like it did in the nineties. And so it doesn't mean that no, those teams are irrelevant. It's just like that, that matchup isn't quite top billing just yet. But I think after the tomorrow, um, and depending on what, whether those, teams do afterwards and have a lot to do with it no that, and that's what i'm talking about like the history is absolutely 100 a rivalry like the history is guaranteed like when i was younger i used to go back right like before i even started like getting super down into like football what i would do for every team that i liked is i would go down and i would like learn their like 100 their history right like that's just who i was so like i grew to hate the dallas cowboys because i learned that they freaking we're knocking us out of the playoffs every year. And then they would go on and win it. And we couldn't get past them, right, until we finally did. So for me, I hate the Cowboys, like especially their fan base. I can't stand them. They're obnoxious. Like they rub me the wrong way, right? So to me, that's why I wanted to see if the rivalry is still there before we get into talking actual team, right? So Dak Prescott, Brock Purdy, the quarterback competition. That's what it's come down to, right? Playoffs, everyone talks about quarterbacks leading the way. Um, Dak Prescott had a hell of a game against Tampa Bay. Um, Brock Purdy had a hell of a game against Seattle. Um, so when we look at it, one is a veteran who has been shamed for not winning playoff games or showing up in the playoff moment. He did on Monday Night Football on the biggest stage. Brock Purdy, a young rookie, not playing like a rookie, um, had a hell of a playoff game. What do you guys think about the quarterback matchup? Do you guys think this is a quarterback matchup that is going to give um, fireworks and give the fans a bunch of points? Or do you think it's going to be a quarterback matchup that struggles against both defenses that are actually really good? You can go ahead, David. Yeah, you know, that's a great question. I think, you know, um, I got a nuance, you know, uh, we all do. Like, we like this idea of their appreciation for who Brock Purdy is, what are his limitations, what he's capable of. I think what we're seeing, though, right now is uh, Kyle Shanahan is in his bag. I think that's, we got to, like, Kyle Shanahan, to me, is the MVP of this team right now, and I'm not, you know, and we could get into that, but I, what I want to give Brock Purdy for, regardless of some of the mistakes that he might make, he bounces back from them and he does a good job of executing this offense. And, and, and regardless of what we can say, Christian McCaffrey clearly is the one that the, the, the controlled variable that elevated to the success earlier on, but, but you know, they're going 34.5 points and it's been consistent yeah, outside the Seattle game, which kneeling down at the one pick six. I mean, that, that was almost right up there too. So Aside from that game, like they just keep getting points on the board. They keep moving the ball down the field. They keep having success on third down, getting a lot of first downs. Average yards per play just keeps being consistently high. Um, I, I, I think that it's really going to come to uh, both offenses having the capability to be explosive. Um, where I think that this is going to turn is, as far as the quarterbacks go is, uh, is what the defenses dictate. Now, we've been talking about, like, you know, this is a different question, but I think it's really difficult to say on paper, I'm stacking the box against Brock Purdy um, when it sets up gaps on the outside and for these guys to get yak. And especially if you start in 21 and somebody breaks out like Metcalf or your juice or, or what have you. Um, but long story short, it's going to come down to edge rushers. Who's going to have the success? Is it going to be Micah Parsons making Brock Purdy uncomfortable? Is it going to be Nick Bosa, Samson, become and company making a deck? And right now, I'm not saying Tyler Smith and Toronto Smith are trash heap in pass protection. I have a lot bigger questions about that tandem than I do with in, in with Trent Williams and McGlinchey right now. And I think those that's what it comes down to 
matchup. Sometimes it's not always about the quarterback. It's about, like you just said, Marco, like before, like the context of those games, like who's hurt, who's injured, who's got that. And I think to me, that's going to be an, if Nick both game. So I'm not, that's what's going to elevate. I think both quarterbacks are, are going to try to play mistake free football. And it's all going to be about how, what the defense presents in front of them. I think I agree in that the quarterbacks, it's not that they're a product of their system, because I don't think that's true. But the quarterbacks, they they their performance in a way is also revolved around what's happening around them. How is the defense is playing? Because obviously both defenses have a chance to disrupt, especially in this game where both defenses are turnover centric. Both defenses, you know, both defenses are pretty good in most aspects of the of the game. Obviously, both sides have their flaws. Obviously, Dallas a little more against the run. The 49ers a little more susceptible against the pass and the explosive play range. But overall, it I, I do think that the quarterback battle is something to talk about, but I also think that there is so much more going on, as there has been throughout the entirety of this 11-game winning streak for the 49ers and really – the season for the Cowboys, because if we talk about Dak Prescott's season, he threw 15 interceptions, a career high, while playing in just 12 games. That's really nothing where you you go and you you're you're really ec- ecstatic about or excited about. And so you got to wonder why did Dallas why why was Dallas successful, especially when they went four and one with their backup. You point to their defense. You point to uh, everything else that works about their offense, especially their running game. And so I do think that it's important, but I also think that we need to understand the entirety and the complexity of both teams because that's where uh, – that's, I think, where we when we look at the title again, who emerges victorious, that's where that argument comes from. I absolutely agree. Like when you look at the quarterbacks, um, last – on Monday night, I saw Dak Prescott – um, pick apart the Tampa Bay uh, defense because they're running a zone at him, right? They're playing zone, and he absolutely picked them apart. And then you go to watch, and there's no knock to Brock Purdy for anyone who's like, oh, you're bashing Brock Purdy. Brock Purdy's – everything for Brock Purdy in the sense was schemed up, right? Like he he had to – he had a lot of wide-open guys. I know there's a stat out there. Um, can't remember the exact stat, but like 15 out of his throws or something like that were like five yards of separation or something like that. So – for me, when you're looking at that, it's like, okay, Brock Purdy could could hit what's dialed up. And that's what you're asking for in the playoffs. You're not asking for much more in a Kyle Shanahan system because his system is dialed up to get points no matter what. Like, that's what Kyle does. He's a genius at that. But now where I'm curious on where Dak kind of plays a, a plays a favor into him is this actually the statement. I was going to actually talk about this. I think Cowboys are going to have designed runs for Dak by Showboat 278. I don't think necessarily the designed runs, um, but I think they are going to have a couple of read options with Tony Pollard um, that kind of holds the defensive ends and the linebackers. But I think the, the key factor for Dak Prescott is his legs. Um, I know he came off an in, a gruesome injury uh, past couple of years or, or whatnot, but when he's running the ball, I think that's when he's most effective. So last week on Monday night, he had a 15-yard gain um, on third down to, to move the chains. So, like, that's who Dak Prescott is. Like, he's going to pick you apart from the pocket, but he has the mobility to take off and let loose and, and run the ball. And if he does that and we don't have the um, rush lane integrity that the 49ers have been known to have at times, because when we play mobile quarterbacks, there's times where we get out of our rush lanes. For example, Justin Fields, and then he ends up making a spectacular play. Um, 
So for me, when I see that, is if Dak does that, Dak might have the edge if he's running around like he used to when he was a little bit younger before that injury. Now, where I think Brock Purdy has the edge is he has Debo Samuel, Brandon Ayuk, Christian McCaffrey, George Kittle. Um, you can even throw in Jawan Jennings in there because Jawan Jennings is being there a lot to block because I know Kyle Shanahan wants Jennings to come back and peel back on a kind of a more of a, on an outside zone and clean house on Michael Parsons. I could guarantee you there will be a nice block from Jawan Jennings on Michael Parsons. And then you could even throw in Elijah Mitchell because Elijah Mitchell is coming back and looking healthy. So I think that's where like the two systems, in my opinion, are completely different. Like because you have a system that if Dak is on, they're one of the best offenses in the league. And then you have another system where if Kyle is calling plays, like he's in his bag, he's doing what he does on a regular, then that's when you you, you get your 30 to 40 points. And that's, I think that's what we've seen as of late. I think Dak Prescott has been uh, – uh, Kyle Shanahan has been in his bag so much that he hasn't been giving as much credit as he probably should be. And it's more so going to Brock Purdy when it realistically is 50-50 right now. Um, next, really – not really segment, but because Michael Parsons was mentioned – Micah Parsons versus Nick Bosa. Who has a bigger impact on this game Sunday night? I, I personally think that Micah Parsons and Nick Bosa are very close to each other as far as this DPOI competition. I do think Nick Bosa deserves it, but I also think that I have that respect for Micah Parsons' game. I do think that Nick Bosa is, is – how do I – so there's a great chart that came out that talked about pass rush win versus actual sacks getting home. Now, depending on who's, like, depending on what industry, like, actually calls a pass rush win, a pass rush win. And I think sometimes there are certain organizations that are more, more liberal or lenient in that regard. Um, and so Parsons, though, was way far to the right, top of the chart in, in, in pass rush. Bosa was, like, sacks above expectation was, like, way at the top, right? And so this is where I kind of see, like, it confirms something that I watch when I watch all 22, like, Parsons is, like, such a beast but there are times where they get in trouble where he can be very undisciplined and not always contain in certain situations because he's so athletic he's such a freak and that offenses can sometimes take advantage of that it doesn't mean it always works in offenses favor and i think that nick bosa is just one of those guys that is a little bit hey david more... oh before you keep going yeah. uh, is your mic happening hitting is it hitting your your sweatshirt or anything because everyone in the comments is saying your mic is very uh chippy and cutting out and stuff is that does that sound fine now or not no it's still like you get kind of get like a static from it if if, if if anything well yeah i don't know if i here let me see this is that better or worse um go ahead and talk how about that that's perfect right there i think i had a my gain knob on my blue mic was was turned my bad so um I think that Parsons can be sometimes more undisciplined uh, uh, in that regard. I'm not throwing Parsons under the bus, but if you're asking me to compare in those situations, I think that Nick Bosa is also asked to do a little bit more in the run run game. I think he's he's definitely a better run defender in those situations as well. And I think that he, um, the fact that Nick is one of those people that's going to be also selfless in that regard. So I, people can talk about everybody saying, hey, Brock was to his left, rolls to his left, things like that. I've also seen Brock be able to kind of do that dead leg, and then also he's had some success on plays that were going to his right as well lately. And so, so I, I think it's one of those things that's part of Brock's game. doesn't mean he's not going to get sacked by Micah Parsons. doesn't mean 
make a mistake. But I do think the aggression of the Dallas defense sometimes can be the Achilles heel. And just like for the Niners, like one thing I've wanted those last several games is that Niners have everything under control. And then you send a guy like Fred Warner on a blitz and you're on your ground on the ground, or you get, you know, the, I think, the, I think Kyle's going to take advantage of that aggressive mindset. Doesn't mean that he's going to win every matchup, but, but I, I also think that Bosa going up against Teron Smith uh, and Tyler Smith, especially, I think is going to be, is, is a, bodes better for the Niners and the Cowboys in my, in my opinion. For me, if we're talking about who do I think could could make the biggest impact or whose impact may be more for their respective team. I think I will go with Michael Parsons in Dallas because I think when we talk about it, Nick Bosa, maybe this is not, I'm not going to necessarily say recency bias, but the 49ers have a crop of pass rushers. They have Charles O'Menohue, Eric Armstead. They have guys who can get to the quarterback. Obviously, Nick Bosa is the best of them, but we did just see a game against the Seattle Seahawks where Bosa, if we're being honest, 49ers fans will not want that talk was stonewalled by Abraham Lucas for a good portion of that game. Abraham Lucas played a very good game, and he's an up-and-coming right tackle. But overall, the 49ers were fine in that game. Charles O'Menohue ended up having his regular five pressures that he's had in, uh, in games. He had the two sacks. And what do I mean is guys can step up when the top guys sometimes have off games, and that's how the 49ers are built. And that's no disrespect to Nick Bosa. He's had a phenomenal season, but that's what the 49ers are meant for. Whereas Michael Parsons, I think there he's more integral to their success along the defensive line. And also, I think he's going to be more vital because – I think he's going to be tested in the run game a good amount. The 49ers are going to utilize that stretch offense to try and hit the outside zone because the Cowboys are a little more stout in the run game on the inside rather than the outside. And they, we saw last year that they struggled to contain Debo Samuel on the outside zone. And so I think Michael Parsons is going to face a bigger challenge. If he can succeed in that challenge against the, in the outside zone next year, uh, I mean, not next year, in this uh, next week uh, in this game, I think that that could bode well for the Dallas Cowboys if they can stop uh, a good portion of the 49ers run game. But also, he his ability to get to the passer, I think that his ability to get to the passer is a little more vital for his team because if he doesn't, then I think that Dallas as a, as a whole, that aggressiveness and that pass rush, when you're being that aggressive but not able to get home, especially with your top guy, then it creates more for the offense. I think you guys both have absolutely great takes on, on this in sense of like because you have nick bosa right who's going to be lined up like you said against uh tyron smith or and then who's on the other end i don't even know um, it's going to be the other smith tyler smith tyler smith right so you have those two two guys in my opinion i'm glad they're both playing because adam peters in my opinion was better than both tackles right now when i, I like the last couple games of the season um but this comment's a very great one because it could be a reason Michael Parsons has a big game. We know Michael Glitchy's had a hell of a season. Uh, he's actually picked it up. A lot of people, um, you can't really bash Michael Glitchy right now because he's actually been playing really good uh, football at the right tackle position. So Teron Lewis said, I know Michael Parsons moves around a lot, but if I'm Quinn, I'm lining him up against Michael Glitchy 90% of the time. Um, when he's talking about Dan Quinn, the defensive coordinator from Dallas Cowboys, um, I would do the same thing. And I would have, um, to be honest, I would have Micah Parsons have the ability to walk around the line um, and pick who he wants to go up against every every down. So if he wants to go up against the center, he's scooting someone up. Hey, I got Brendel. Hey, I got so-and-so, right? Like, 
let him pick and choose his battles uh, because that's the kind of pass rusher he is. I think when he's lined up um, along the edge uh, majority of the game, I think you could take him out of the game because you could run around him. You could run at him. He's not the greatest run defender. Um, so you could you could do a lot of things to take him out of a game offensively. Now, I'm going to say Nick Bosa has the bigger game because he has a chip on his shoulder, because he had a week like last week. Now, you don't see Nick Bosa have weeks like last week where he didn't even register any pressure. Um, and I think if Nick Bosa um, could, get, could generate pressure on Dak Prescott, I think that's going to be the key to the game. Because if Nick Bosa, so last week we saw our, our defensive line not necessarily struggle, but we saw them at times struggle to get pressure. And then when they got there, they didn't get home. Now, mm-hmm. what I see is they're missing Nick Bosa's presence last week. Now, what I'm talking about that is they were able to actually send Charles Cross and send Abraham Lucas one-on-one with Nick Bosa. And they were they were able to hold their own. And, oh, my God, real quick, off topic, Seattle Seahawks have a great tackle tandem that is a young rookie tandem. Probably, arguably, going to be one of the best tackle tandems in the NFL yeah. within the next couple of years, easily. Um, so Seattle was able to send one tackle at him. Now, I don't think Dallas could do that with Tyler Smith or Tyron Smith. Either one, I don't think they could block Nick Bosa one-on-one. We see what Nick Bosa did to Tyron last year. Now, Tyler Smith has actually struggled in the past, in the pass protection at left tackle. So if you line Nick, Bo- uh, Nick Bosa up with him, I think that's going to be a very, very um, tough matchup for Smith because you have to be in the nit and gritty. You have to learn how to actually get hands. And he's not that technical. He's more of a, I'm going to bully you kind of left tackle. So I think both of you, I'm not going to say who's going to have a better game or who's going to be more productive or have a more of an impact. I think both players are hell of, play- hell of players. So for me, that was the let you guys answer that one and me just comment off of it. Um, so real quick, Marco, because I do yeah. have a topic that I do want to uh, address as well in relation to this. I saw earlier this week on Twitter, some analysts brought up how Nick, uh, Michael Parsons last year was put into coverage like an off-ball linebacker 42% of the time. This year, obviously, he's a little more refined as a pass rusher. He's utilized as a pass rusher more. Do you think that that number is going to decrease significantly, or do you think it will remain similarly with the way that the 49ers utilize 21 personnel, 12 personnel, and keep that base package out in the field? Um, I think you don't drop. Every time you drop Micah Parsons into coverage, you're doing a disservice to your entire team, and you're actually helping out the offense. I don't care what anyone says. Micah Parsons is a hell of an athlete, but he's not good in coverage. Like Realistically, Micah Parsons is a good off-ball linebacker covering the run if you're going to have him play the run and he's a good edge rusher and if i was michael parsons or i was dan quinn i would not even use him as an off-ball linebacker he is my defensive end and that is it because if he he is most productive coming off the edge with how athletic and how freaky um fast he is so for me i think i think it's gonna be a lot less being in coverage than than last year and that's where i i agree with you and it's the same re- way i feel about okay you took a, a michael parsons week keep forgetting that like we focus so much on Nick Bosa the Niners have all pro players at, at every level right so Fred Warner once upon a time was the defensive MVP on this team right like so uh and still it, this is where I I feel very similar I'm not saying that Fred doesn't get have success in stunts going up the middle 
things like that. I do, though, feel like this in this matchup, Dak Prescott has shown the ability to defeat Blitz successfully. Okay. Um, where I think, feel like when you put Fred in a position where you're taking one of your best, the best coverage linebacker to me in the NFL consistently, and you take him out of those situations where you're clogging up lanes or being able to cover ground, I think that, that just works in favor for Dak Prescott. And so I, I'm not saying that you never Blitz, I'm not saying you never send more than four, but I think that the Niners can have, have success rushing four. With their, with their personnel, with these matchups with Smith brothers, or not brothers, but you know, the Smith dude, uh, Smiths. And, um, and I think, that, so I, very similar to Micah. I agree with you, Marco. If 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 they send Micah into coverage, you've already shot yourself in the foot. You've got to let your horses run. And the way he runs the fastest, the way he runs at his best as an edge rusher. Uh, Off-ball linebacker is fine, but like, you know, I, I think just that guy steaming off the edge. And I know McGlinchey's played well. I, Get that I'm not trashing McGlinchey. I we probably McGlinchey's probably played himself into an incredible contract, right? Contract is up the bottom. He is, and I and I think I'd be surprised at this point. I don't have any insight on this, but like the Niners are probably looking around, like thinking, how do you upgrade here? Um, I don't know. We'll see what happens with that. I still think I'd be a homer to say otherwise that that matchup doesn't give me a little bit of the, you know concern. Okay, I think that clearly Mike Parson is a is a tier or two above in that regard and what he does against what Mike McGlinchey does. We know McGlinchey is a run specialist over his career, but his piece been a lot better in pass blocking up late. I still think it's fair to say that Parsons clearly has the upper hand. So beyond if they want to put him in coverage, I hope they do. So I know there's always that one player that comes in and steps up. Now I call that the clutching player of the game, right? So we did this last week after the Seattle game. Um, now we're going to predict our clutch gene player of the game in sense of who do you think is going to have either the play of the game or that moment where they take over the game. For the 49ers, whether it's the 49ers winning um, them or the Dallas Cowboys, who do you guys think uh, the clutch gene player of the game is going to be? All right, I can go first. Uh, defensively, I'll go with uh, Jimmy Ward. Reason being, C.D. Lamb's going to be utilized out of the slot. C.D. Lamb is going to also – he's going to have this inside-outside responsibility. And so I think Dallas is going to try and scheme their guys. What I said with Jesse earlier this week, I wouldn't be surprised if Dallas tries to scheme their guys where if they put Schultz as an inline blocker, they have Lamb on the same side in the slot where they have route combinations for those two, or they have Schultz in the slot. And I think that regardless, Dallas, uh, Dallas likes to work up the seam and they like to work that matchup where Jimmy Ward is going to be. And Jimmy Ward has shown, especially over the second half of the year when he's been healthy, that he can lock them guys up. So I think that that matchup is going to be important because that's where Dallas is going to look to target. And so because of that, I think if Jimmy Ward is able to win that matchup, he's going to have a big play. Yeah, I, I, I think defensively for me is that this idea that Ron, I mean, there's so many guys. Like, he said Jimmy Ward, I'm like, oh, can't talk about Jimmy Ward. So now. it doesn't, uh, it doesn't have to be, it doesn't have to be on the defensive side of the ball. It could be offensive side of the ball too yeah. if you wanted. Well, I'm gonna go both sides then. I'll go defense, offense, go back. Like defense, I've been saying Mooney Ward, um, and I just say Mooney got last week. Had, you know, this is where I say clutch gene. Yes, for the clutch gene player, I think like last week he got humbled a little bit against DK. DK had a man game, right? And that being said, there are a lot of situations where Mooney isn't isn't always always a horrible position, but DK had the upper hand. I, I haven't seen, though, where Mooney has one of those games. Uh, one was where he was clearly not fully healthy against the Chiefs. Um, but I think that in this particular situation, one thing that the Cowboys, uh, they're, they're scoring points, right? But I would be, I don't think the receiver 
receiver room is as dynamic as it was last year. And and I think that Mooney is in one of those situations where he is going to rise to the moment, rise to the occasion. And I think because of that frustration, he's going to have a great player. I think he's going to be one of those guys that's going to make him life difficult. And I think that there's going to be other guys that end up getting turnovers um, because of the job that Mooney does. I think that Dak's going to be forced to get it to, to throw it into some places that he doesn't want to, thinking he's got it. And I think guys like Talano, Hufanga, Fred Warren, or Dre Greenlaw, I think those, you know, those guys are going to be opportunistic about, about those. And I, but I think Mooney's not going to get the accolades. He's not going to have the INT, but, but I think he's going to be, I think he's going to rise to the occasion. Offensively, um, I, I've gone back and forth. We, you and me texted about who we think is going to be the first touchdown, who's going to be. Um, and I, I think that to me, I, I think that I, I talk about Debo, talk about CMC, talk about Elijah Mitchell. I think this is a George Kittle game. And I think that sometimes we box course got things to say, okay, he's had more production, but he had three targets last year against Dallas, despite running like 24, 25 routes. I mean, he wasn't being targeted. You know, we've seen that it's not always a crazy amount of targets from Brock but there's been this red zone success. I, I think in this game, this is where Kyle really shows the, the league where it's like, you think you got me stuck with, here you think you're going to stifle this i've been using him so much as a decoy here i'm helping out in the run game and i think george is going to have i'm not saying he's going to have 10 targets or anything like that but i think he's going to make it count um and i think that he, he's going to hit pay dirt uh, at least once in this game and he's going to in that connection between and that confidence that they grab it together is going to show up so yeah i i do see uh, Kittle game happening, but my question player of the game was gonna. Go, I have a feeling Talano Hufanga gets his hands on a ball. Um, I think Kyle's gonna be having a player that robber, um, or not Kyle, D'Amico Ryan's is gonna have him playing like that robber role where he gets to be himself in Rome. Um, and now I think what, what's gonna lead him to a play is Dak Prescott. Now Dak Prescott is super smart pre snap, post snap. He knows where he wants to go with the ball, but now. So was Talano Hofanga. He's super smart. He knows what defenses or offenses want to do to the defense. Now, I think he's going to get his hands on the ball, create an interception, whether that's a tip or he intercepts something. He's going to, he's going to create a play that changes momentum at some point in the game, whether the 49ers already have it and they, they completely take momentum where they put their heel on Dallas's neck. Um, offensively, I'm going to go. Elijah Mitchell. Okay. Because everyone think everyone so I think last week Elijah Mitchell came in. He, he didn't play like like he he should have. Obviously that we also gotta remember that that Seattle's running a bare front. They were kind of stacking the box too in a way. Um so they're running different fronts at the 49ers in order to take that run game away. Um and if it wasn't for the beautiful scheme play by Christian McCaffrey, um that gained sixty eight yards, Christian McCaffrey would have only had like fifty yards rushing total like on every other run so it wasn't very productive in the run game but i think what kyle's gonna try to do is attack them in the run game heavily because if you attack the run game you're attacking michael parsons you're attacking vanderesh who is a good a good run uh, defender but he's not the best um i don't know their other linebacker don't know his name but i guarantee you since i don't know his name he probably isn't that good so that's why kyle shan is gonna attack him now, their defensive line is one of the defensive lines that I don't believe they have what it takes to stop Kyle Shanahan's outside zone. Now, what I mean by that is they don't have that three-tech that is going to force you to have to cut everything back in, where you're literally being fed to the linebackers and to 
the other defensive tackles. I don't think they have that. I think they have a bunch of defensive tackles who are good gap fillers. And that's what Kyle Shanahan loves to pick apart is those kind of defensive tackles. Now, moving forward, because I know everyone wants to know who emerges victorious, right? Now, do you guys think the 49ers come in and absolutely dominate the game? Do you think the 49ers come in and it's a fist fight with Dallas? Do you think Dallas comes in and dominates in San San Francisco or or wherever the 49ers play? Or do you think it's going to be one of those good boxing matches where every time you throw a jab, you better know what's coming next because there's going to be a combination coming with it. What do you guys think? I think that the, I think this game, I think the Seahawks game last week, 17-16 at the half, right? Niners are down. Ends up being, really, when you look at it, it could have gone a lot of different ways, but at the end of the day, Niners, 500, 300 yards, total yards, take out their starters, could have been even worse. So sometimes games can be close to the Chiefs game, a game that was close to the beginning, all of a sudden the wheels fall. So you, it, it can hinge on these plays. I fully expect this game to be good early, and I think that it's, it could be a game that both teams are capable of winning. Here's where I what tips the, the scales in favor of the 49ers for me. I think this defense has been the strength throughout the season in so many ways, but lately, I think they got a chip on their shoulder. Fred Warren talked about this, how Kyle will go, go to these meetings and be like, try to really get their goat. Like, really try to say, hey, you got to play better. You know, and like, he knows. He's not trying to throw him under the bus, but like, Kyle also means that. Like, he's like, we got it. We, we don't we have elite capability. This defense is could be like legendary in their own right if they want to be when they want to be. And I think that if the Niners just play like eighty five percent of their best, like I really feel this bodes well for the matchups that we talked about. My prediction for this game is it could go back and forth a little bit. I think at the end it's, it's 49ers thirty, uh, Cowboys twenty. I I feel like I don't think Brock Purdy is going to be throwing bombs down the field, but I think that Kyle's going to have the the Dallas Cowboys defense aggressive and over pursuit kind of struggling i think they'll struggle against the run game a lot more than people have been mentioning because we're all we talk about brock and it's going to be like you said marco guys like elijah mitchell unsung guys out of the backfield it's not going to be one guy having 200 yards rushing um respect the cowboys 30 20 is my prediction niners yeah i think that's a fair prediction i thought that uh, i know when i spoke earlier with jesse he said that he didn't think one team would hit 30. i said that there was a possibility that the niners could hit 30 in this game and i think it's going to be close i think it's still going to be a one score game but i thought it was going to be either 27 23 27 20 or like 31 23 somewhere in that range because i think both teams will have to respect each other offensively that's the strong suit and while both teams have been very strong defensively this year both teams are also offensive centric and i think the 49ers will have a little bit of problem with a couple of things i think the 49ers will have a problem with tony pollard um at at least at first i think tony pollard possesses something uh where he could hit the edge and really you only need one explosive play for uh to to change that uh, the outcome of that game and i think that dak prescott and his legs right now i'm very curious to see what does D'Amico ryan scheme up to change that part and so the dallas cowboys the one thing that I think goes in the 49ers' way is while they generate a lot of turnovers, those turnovers normally, not normally, but they gen- those turnovers are majority fumbles, and the 49ers don't fumble the football. And while, whereas the 49ers generate a lot of interceptions, Dak Prescott throws a lot of interceptions. So I think that the turnover battle either favors them or it's going to be equal in this game, and that's why I have the Niners coming up on time. I think you're absolutely right in the sense of it's going to be a very it's going to be a closer game than than 
fans would like, right? It's going to be one of those nail biters for a good portion of the game where it kind of has you on your heels. Um, now, where I, I'm going to disagree with you a little bit, though, Rohan, because you did say that both teams are offensive-centric. I think the 49ers are the opposite of that, actually. I think when their defense is 100% playing like the defense they are, they're the best team in the league. Like, in the ten- sense of their offense is getting the ball in great field position. Their offense is, is more productive because they don't feel like they have to go out and score 40 points. So it's, they're playing loose. Like, they're not really playing like, damn, every play needs to be perfect, right? So I feel like the, the 49ers are a little bit different than Dallas because Dallas, when, they're, when their offense is struggling, their defense struggles. Or if their defense is struggling and then the offense is on, the offense starts to struggle. So, like, they aren't they don't play necessarily play complimentary football in the sense like the 49ers do, right? Like their their defense plays well and then the offense will play well. The offense will struggle, the defense picks it up, and then the offense starts picking it up while the defense starts to struggle a bit, whatever. So, like for me, I think that's gonna be the biggest moment of the game is if Dallas defense gives up a touchdown, can Dak Prescott come and answer it? Right? Because we know what we've seen with the 49ers is when they score, the defense comes onto the field a different animal. Like they come completely different. They're prepared. They're ready. And they don't allow you to get a touchdown. They don't let you allow you to answer it. They might let you get three, but they're not letting you answer that touchdown. So for me, I think that's going to be the biggest key of the game is who plays better complimentary football. And I think that's going to be the 49ers. And I think the 49ers come away with a 28, 24 victory. Um, very close game. Um, I don't, I don't see it being fireworks. I think it's going to be a nice physical freaking boxing match in, in there. Um, before we head out, last question before we, we head out. The other divisional round, um, right? We Today we have, uh, I believe, Kansas City and Jaguars. And then we have Philadelphia and the New York Giants. Who do you guys think comes out victorious today? Well, it's interesting, man. You got the Jags right now is like at a minus nine and a half point spread for the Chiefs. And that is a little, I mean, it's the playoffs. I get it. I, and I think the Chiefs very well could demolish that you know with their fire and all cylinders i think the chiefs win i think the jags might cover though i think i think the chiefs have a way of they're just a great team but nine and a half points a big spread and i i hold think on, hold on. hey i gotta i gotta say something hello funny so i'm pretty sure this dude uh i don't know a at ruzica um he doesn't even follow me right i'm pretty sure he's a green bay packers fan but he just dm'd me i think this is the funniest thing ever he just dm'd me like okay marco i'll hold off judgment on you and your sf 49ers sympathies until i see you eating a brat i don't know if it's a brat or a brat like don't know yeah but that's just hella funny like i'm guessing i'm guessing it's a like a brat barbie i don't know but no like, no from, it's a brat it's a brat okay, brat okay that's what yeah. i figured i was like i was looking at it, i was like let me ask these dudes what he's talking about because he's like he's like until i see i i love brats i, I used to that's all i used to eat growing up I thought that was hella funny. I thought he was talking about Brat, so I had to had to mention it to you guys right now. Man, you just catching strays in your DM. Man. These guys, these randos from Green Bay on a Niners podcast. That's it, I know, that's man. Nice. No, it's not. No, it's not because of that. It's because it's because I, I write for Rohan now at Wisconsin. Oh, that's right. Like a so I, I thought it was funny. Like I was like, damn, he's taking a shot at me. Like my 49ers sympathies. I'm like, oh, man. man, you see what you get into when you go to Wisconsin. My wife's from Appleton, so it's like, yeah, you gotta you gotta deal with all those. Guys. No, but I. I did. I did throw a shot at, at the Wisconsin fan base in, in the sense of Packer fans and, and other teams. I was like, I know some of you guys might be Packers fans. I was like, but I'm a Niner. Like in the and like throw a little like a little shade at them a little bit. Not nothing too much, but 
that's all 11 games. Um, but go ahead. Sorry for interrupting you. I, thought no, was- I think I think the Jags will cover. I know that sounds crazy because, because Trevor Lawrence threw four picks in the game. They could, the Chiefs could absolutely blow him out, and there's a the spread for a reason. I think that against this spread, though, I've seen the Chiefs at home have some interestingly close games against opponents that they are much better. Um, I, I think the I think the Jags are have, their defense is starting to play a lot better, and I think that you know people have laughed about the Christian Kirk, Zay Jones, whatever else, but ETN has been a, a key. It's unlocked a lot of different things. I think Lawrence really rebounded very well. You know, two guys who played bad per first half last week, Purdy and Lawrence, two guys that rebounded. Uh, I would say our Lawrence even rebounded better. Obviously, to me, had a much better game, you know, at, at the end. Um, so I like the Chiefs there. I like the uh, um, Eagles, Giants. You know, the homer in me wants the Giants to win, obviously. and wants us to pick the Giants to win. Um, and uh, uh, I think that's a minus seven and a half. I think the Eagles win. I think, I think the Giants come down to earth. I could be very wrong. It's all going to hinge on how Jalen Hurts plays in his first playoff game. Uh, but I think the Eagles put it all together. They're balanced. I think the Giants' luck runs out. And then I think, like I said, I think I see the Niners 30 to 20, and then Mara Bengals and Bills. That's one of those things that I think can be an absolute coin flip. I know that sounds like a hedge. I do think the Bengals cover. It's minus five and a half points spread in favor of the Bills at home. I know everybody's got like, you know, um, it's just, I, I've seen a lot of sloppy ball on side of the Buffalo, but we've seen some sloppy ball with Cincinnati where they needed the Hubbard Fumble return just to ice a game against the Ravens with Tyler Huntley. I think it goes either way. I think Bills pull it off, but I think it's it, I could be very wrong there. Yeah, I mean, with the early game, the nine and a half point spread, I didn't even realize it was that much. But I, I do think Kansas City pulls this out. But especially with teams coming off the bye, I feel like you do have to shake off some of that rust. And the thing, though, with Jacksonville is while they went down 27 and they were able to come back in an improbable comeback, I don't think you can do that against the Chiefs. I think when you're going down by a significant significant amount, the Chiefs are a team that doesn't let the gas off. They, they will definitely not rest their starters. They're going to put their gas on the pedal and try and really blow you out the building. And I, I just think the Chiefs have the better matchup in this game. And I think their offense is just a little too much for that defense to where I don't know if Jacksonville can keep hand in hand. And I think the Chiefs defense is a little underrated as well. Everyone obviously talks about the offense, but the defense is not bad. The defense is solid. It's, it's at least average uh, over there in Kansas City. As for Buffalo and Cincinnati, I like Cincinnati more. I, I, Buffalo is a team that I was really high on coming into the year. But I like Cincinnati more. I think that they are a team that executes a little better. Buffalo has been in opportunity to a lot of mistakes this year. And I don't know how well that bodes in playoff football. Now, the issue with Cincinnati is they're losing. Not losing. I, I don't think Jonah Williams is playing. So they're missing their tackles in this game. And that's that's a big thing. I think the offensive line really is integral to a part of their success, especially when you remember last year how Joe Burrow was getting sacked a lot. And so I think it's a toss-up at the moment. I probably will go Cincinnati. But I think that this one's uh, going to be a close, fun matchup with the Cincinnati being down their offensive lineman. I'm going to I'm gonna go um, Kansas City. First game, I think Jags do cover. I think Jags are a good enough offense to make it a shootout in a way, like in the sense of both defenses. Um, I don't think Kansas City has a, like an elite defense. I don't think they have like the top 10, top 15. They're kind of around that range, or like 16, 17. Like they're some games they'll look dominant, some games they look like, whoa, what the hell is that defense coming from? Right. So I think that's where it's gonna become more of an offensive shootout. And I think, man, I don't care how great of a game Trevor Lawrence has played. I don't care 
if Trevor Lawrence has never lost on a Saturday or a Friday, like these stats that people are coming up with, right? Like, I don't care about if he's undefeated on Saturday games, like throughout his career in college, high school, and NFL. Like, bro, you're playing Patrick Mahomes. You think Patrick Mahomes cares about that? No. Patrick Mahomes is coming. He's going to light your defense up. He better be able to score and not throw four interceptions. If you throw four interceptions, Patrick Mahomes isn't Justin Herbert. He's going to score points. And he's going to make sure he keeps scoring points. He's going to try to score 70 on you if you throw four interceptions. I guarantee you he's going to do that. So I think that's where I go, Kansas City. Uh, Philadelphia, I mean, Philadelphia is one of the completest, like, most complete teams in the league, like, outside of the 49ers. I would honestly take those two teams, and I would throw a quarter in the air. Like, wherever it lands, like, that's the team that it goes that day. Like, I think Jalen Hurts is a phenomenal quarterback. I think he's developed very nicely for the Philadelphia Eagles. Um, their defense is super underrated. They have two good corners on the outside. They got good safeties. Um, they got a good uh, group of linebackers. Their defensive line is good. Like, honestly, that is a very complete, well team. They have the best offensive line in the league. I think they dominate the New York Giants today. Um, and then you have the Buffalo Bills and in, in, in Cincinnati game. That game's interesting because, like Rohan said, I do like Cincinnati for the sense of, they don't make, make mistakes. They play clean football in a way. Like, they know how to execute. They know what they want to do. Like, like, they get to it real quick. But no offensive line. You have to go to Buffalo in a hostile environment. I'm going to take the Buffalo Bills in this one. Very close margin by three points or less. Um, and the reason I'm going to pick Buffalo is because of the, the atmosphere um, because of everything that's gone on with DeMar Hamlin, I think that team is playing extra, right? They're playing for that extra, like the extra energy that they have for their brother. Um, but the main reason is that offensive line of the Cincinnati Bengals. It's gross. I feel bad for Joe Burrow. They even, they try to fix the offensive line and then everyone gets hurt like that. That offensive line room might be cursed. They should probably do something about it. Go have someone bless it or take the curse off because, that offensive line is very bad. Every year they have they, they sign people and then they get hurt. Um, but that's it. I know we, we all have uh, high expectations for the 49ers on Sunday. Um, I know it'll be like 6 o'clock where Dave is watching. It'll be 3 o'clock here. I think 5 o'clock where you're watching, Rohan, 4 o'clock. Yeah, five, you said 5 o'clock? 5.30. 530, 530 for me. 5.30. Yeah, for, for us. Yeah. Yeah, I'm still out on the West Coast. So what? Oh, what time would that be? Three thirty. Three thirty. Three thirty game. So that's it for today's episode. I appreciate everyone for tuning in. Uh, thank you, David, for jumping on with us. I really appreciate you coming in and, and just talking ball. Uh, if you are not, make sure you subscribe to both channels. We got Rohan's channel. We also got the Clutch Gene Sports channel. Make sure you subscribe to both channels. Um, David, someone did want your hat in the chat. Um. I don't know who – let me go to – I know I have it pinned. So I'm. if they want to message you on Twitter, Showboat278. David, where did you get your hat? If you're still on eBay. the chat. eBay, baby. David David just said it was eBay. So um, make sure you guys go on, on Twitter. Make sure you guys subscribe to uh, – or uh, not subscribe. Make sure you guys follow my boy David at BackCountryFam. Uh, make sure you guys are following at Rohan uh, Chakarar. How do you say it, Rohan? I don't know. I never can never say your last name. Chakravarti. Okay, but like right now, how was right there? Like the, the like the your your at name. Oh, at Rohan Chakrav. 
Okay, I see. Like, I would have tried to say your full last name instead, but make sure you guys are following Rohan. Make sure you guys uh, go hit that like button, that subscribe button. Turn on the notification bell for every time we're about to go live. We appreciate everyone for uh, tuning in today. Thank you.